0: Hey everybody, welcome to another Real... De- what side of the microphone am I on here? There we go. <laughs> hey everybody. Welcome to another Real Debaters production. I'm your host, Michael Petro. I uh, want to Before I forget to do this, because I'm a forgetful guy. It's not because I don't give a shit. I'm just forgetful. And I forget to... I always want to do this. I always want to say thank you to everybody who's listening to the show. And I always fucking forget because I want to make this as quick and painless as possible. And then I ramble. We know I ramble. If you're new, I ramble. Um, but I want to say a big shout-out to, like, a fuck-ton of places, specifically San Jose and San Diego in California. Like, practically, there's all these pockets of California that people are listening to the show in. Uh, shout-out to all of our Canadian fans, as always. Specifically, uh want to highlight Neverville, Stonewall, and Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yes, right? We're, we got a little thing in here in Winnipeg somewhere. Shout-out to everybody in Winnipeg. Uh, but Stonewall and Neverville was like, hey, what's up? So anybody in Stonewall and Neverville who's listening to the show, And you're listening again. Shout out to you. That was cool. We always knew you were there, but we didn't like we couldn't tell it was from there. Right. We knew we had people listening. So uh, that's cool. Um, So thank you. This is where I start to ramble. Uh, So that's that's out of the way. Shout out to everybody who's listening to the show Uh, this week in the living room. Roger Boyer, Winnipeg filmmaker, videographer, producer, writer, director and podcaster. Just a fucking savant came on the show uh we share a couple different film friends in common they were like this guy should be on i was like of course everybody should be on this is a this is a revolving door of everybody should be on so uh we got to sit down me and him talk about what got him in the film how he sees what he sees through his lens um what inspires him we talked about some of the movies he's made specifically his shorts the maintenance man super powerful Powerful and short. That's what you want in a short film, I guess. Uh The Maintenance Man, Hockey Dad, excuse me. <clears throat> Hockey Dad and uh lastly The Lost Moccasin. Uh he's an Roger's is an Indigenous filmmaker, so we talked about um that genre of film that I was incredibly happy to be exposed to and, and talk to somebody because i'll be quite honest like i don't know where to start so it was it was great to have to be educated on that and uh just a myriad of things me and roger had so much fun it was it was such a fucking blast so thank you for giving us your time sir um yeah if you want to follow him just check out the guest bio we'll have all his links there for you to watch some of the shows if you want to see lost moccasin you'll have to contact him directly for that which we'll have all of his credentials there uh, for the newcomers, therealdebaters.ca. That's where you can find everything related to the show, at Real Debaters. That's how you find us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, if you want to email the show, it's therealdebaters at gmail.com. You want to tell us we're fucking morons. You want to give us an idea for the show, uh, check out our Patreon page. We got some cool stuff there. If you want to help support the show, uh, there is a like little producer thing on the Patreon page, which is on the website at therealdebaters.ca. Uh, so you can be a part of it with us It's immersive. we're trying to we're doing some fun things we're coming up with some actual execution of ideas for 2021. Speaking of which we're doing TV now because why the fuck not 2020 it's a dumpster fire year no uh, we wanted to start originally with anything that could be played on a reel but kind of play in a niche because as we've slowly gotten better uh, we didn't want to get too big and do too much but now that we kind of feel we have a system, um we're gonna do TV because everything was played on a reel originally, so that makes sense, uh, and for everybody who is wondering how do you spell "real"? it's not R-E-A-L in all of our uh, nomenclature, it's R-E-E-L, so that's how you, you know, the email address, the website, all of it is R-E-E-L for the spelling, um, that's it, oh yeah, for newcomers too, I did an interview with Kevin Smith, aka Silent Bob, AKA I fucking did that. It was so crazy. Thank you to skip the dishes for putting that together and allowing me to do that. That was, uh, that was incredibly daring of you. I will admit. Um, but it, it was a fucking great time. I never actually funny story. I didn't actually ever Me and Kevin Smith. He didn't know. He doesn't know my name. So, um, if he was ever to like point out that video, he doesn't know who he talked to because I introduced myself and then didn't he, he took over. Right. So I'm Michael, Kevin, and uh, I know you checked out our Twitter feed after, so kudos to you for fucking doing that. That was awesome. Uh, but I'm Michael from The Real Debaters. I'm the guy who you get to talk to with Skip the Dishes. So there you have it. I got nothing else for you, so I will cue The Real. You enjoy the show. Thank you for joining me virtually in my living room, which is actually my bedroom. I don't know. Where, where are you in your house right now?
1: I'm in my office. You're Thank in, you for having me.
0: Yes. Thank you for we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. So I as I, I always like putting interviews as far out as possible. So I have more time watching stuff that someone has made or reading something that somebody has written and, and kind of getting to know them. So. Um, excuse me if I have a uh, have a one-world view of you only through watching what you've made and you can correct me as we go. Um, but as my favorite interviewer has done in the past, James Lipton, it's best to begin at the beginning and the whole purpose of this series is to a celebrate Manitoba filmmakers, celebrate the Manitoba film industry. We've affectionately titled it Manitobans Making Movies. So, um however you you want to view whatever That would be be short film, long feature format, docu series, what have you. We don't care. We'll talk about it with anybody. So um, I want your name has popped up with a bunch of other people that we share uh, friendships with through you working with them in the industry and me just being a hang around. So I wanted to get your perspective, Roger. Um, How did you get into film? How did you get into this crazy adventure of making movies?
1: Well, uh, it's all started, wow, okay. Well, let me let me think back. How did I get <laughs> into film? Um, my cousin came over to my place uh, to show me his new camcorder. And uh, this was back in the early aughts, uh, around 05. And I uh, had recently discovered this editing software on my computer that we just got. <laughs> and uh, editing software was called Windows Movie Maker. And uh, when my cousin showed me his camera and I saw this new editing software called Windows Movie Maker, I just, I was going, hmm, you know, liter- quite literally looking at the, the editing software, looking at his camera, looking at the editing software, going, hmm, for about a few minutes. And I was like, hey, let's make a film. And he's like, you know, that's so crazy, it just might work. Get, like, he just gave me that that look. But um, I ended up making a uh uh a little promo video for myself when I was running for student council back at university and um I never I edited it I this is the whole process of it but I had to figure out how to how to do that so I kind of just self-taught researched and then um I finished it but not in time <laughs> not in time to show it to anyone for writing for student council so I, I didn't win anything in student <laughs> council but it was it was a fun process um A few months later, I kept thinking about it, and I thought, hey, why don't I make a short film? So uh, I talked to my cousin about it, but he was kind of like, he kind of lost interest at the time. So I I had found a local store, uh, I think it was in the Maples area, that was selling a a DV camera. And I just thought, hey, why don't I just purchase a DV camera? I'll, I'll just have one. I'll make it myself. So I bought this little Canon DV, mini DV camcorder that used tapes, and I wrote a film called Rentless. And Rentless was just really about, um, I get two roommates, uh, with a crazy landlord who comes looking for the rent and now (laughs) one of them spends all the money and they have to figure out how to get the rent paid. I've done that in real life. That's
0: that I've done that before, buddy.
1: (laughs) Yes. So you can see this. I wrote for what I knew. So, (laughs) um, (laughs) meet myself too. So I meet you also, um, I liked action films, and I figured I going to make an action film. So, in the story in *Reckless*, the character has to he enters a fight competition, which his roommate says that's the stupidest thing ever, but let's try it anyway. Anyway, so uh, it took me a few weeks, and then we uh, we shot this film. um, And I used I just asked some people for locations. I used my friend's location at the time; he was living in his uh, one bedroom suite. uh, I don't want to call it basher; it was one bedroom apartment. And we filmed it mostly on a Sunday. And then we filmed at the University of Winnipeg um, uh, on uh, during the evenings over that week. And then we filmed the fight scene on, on a Sunday. I had access to a, a large gymnasium, and it was uh, it was a really good. It was fun. It was a fun process, but it was just something natural that, that came natural to me. And I'd researched uh, like what do you need to make a film. So I looked up all these articles <laughs> and, and researched and whatever websites. I think video movie video, was it a maker? the main website that had all these articles and there was other articles too but that's the main one i remember and he talked about um like find a cameraman figure out your sound get a good microphone (laughs) so like i went around town finding microphones to plug into this uh dv camera and i was thinking i don't have any i don't know any cinematographers i don't know any cameramen well why don't i just figure this out but luckily i'd come across uh, a movie uh, director a movie i had watched years years prior called el mariachi and robert rodriguez uh put out a video in an article saying like just do everything yourself just do it get your stuff do work with what you got and just make your film so with that um with that spirit in mind i I, we went ahead and we made rentless and rentless was my first ever film i made with no experience kind of self-taught and it actually ended up playing at the Gimli film festival but the one compliment I, i get on it is um it's like, how did you know where to put the camera? How did you know how to do this and how to do that? Like, how did you write the script? And I, I always tell them, like, I honestly was just an instinct, it was instinctual. That's what I, that's the best thing I can say is that everything in my first film, Rentless, was instinctual. And writing the script was just, you know, I read Shakespeare in high school, like we all did, you know, so I just kind of use that same form of, of writing a play. All I did was just write the description, uh, character, Uh, character name then character talks and I worked that all like in a word document and I wrote 10 pages of that and um I used people around me like just some friends of mine uh Ray and Dave and Angela who I went to school with at the time and they just all agreed to be part of it and I I didn't know any actors I didn't know anything about filmmaking I just figured you know it was just but it was something it was just something I needed to get into was something I've always wanted to get into and and I realized that over time and I uh we we made that film and it was a hit amongst my local friends because I never really did put it out there. However, mm-hmm. if you do want to see it, I have a version of it on my Vimeo, and I apologize if there's anything bad in there <laughs> just ahead of time. So if you go look on Coach films on Vimeo, it's, it's still up there. But it inspired a future film that I want to make. I would love to make a, a feature film based on that, and I always call it the the Indigenous Kung Fu Hustle that's that <laughs> is be in the future. I want to make it the indigenous kung fu hustle in the future and I'm currently working on it. I do have like an 80 page old draft of a script I wrote over 10 years ago um that I'm going to retake and redo over and you know hopefully I hopefully I'm better at a bit better at writing but th- that's how I got into it and after I got in, um after after that I guess the next step was I was showing people locally that I talked to when one gentleman had said oh hey uh you know, he, I work in film and I'm like, yeah, right. like some guy hanging out. He I forget why he came to the university. Um, but he had said, I work I work in, in the local film industry. And I was thinking, oh, sure, buddy, like, sure, whatever. But he, he, brought a, he brought a friend over with him and they were hanging out in the student lounge. And I was like, hey, what, did you guys want to see my film I just made? And it was called Rentless. Well, obviously, it was called Rentless. <laughs> but I told him it was called Rentless. And uh, I showed it to them. And his buddy, his friend he had with them was also a local filmmaker who happened to work at the uh, Winnipeg Film Group and they watched the film and he said hey can we enter this into our film film festival can you you know once you come to the Winnipeg Film Group and like I didn't know anything about film the full film industry and I was I was thinking sure yeah okay I'll come to the uh quote unquote Winnipeg Film Group but he gave me the address and time I said sure like I'll I'll come check it I'll come say hi so I went there and it was a legit organization. Like jump, jump so you know, I was pretty cautious about it ahead of time. So I was like, okay, I don't know these guys. Like I do know them, but I didn't know, you know, yeah. I know anything about the industry. So I didn't like someone says back then, oh, I work in the industry. I'm thinking, what does that even mean? I didn't understand that. But as I grew and I became more part of it, I I understand what that means. Um what it does mean is there's like pretty much there's no uh, main office. The office is very. Uh, when you work in a film on a larger film set, the office is where you rent the building out. There's no studio. Yeah. Um, and you film all over Winnipeg. And there's no. There's. There is a central location, but it's temporary, uh, and it moves all the time. Um, but that's what. That's what I mean by, like, I didn't know anything about the industry, but now that's kind of how I. There's a lot more to it. There's people who can explain it a lot better than I can. Um, but. The Winnipeg Film Group introduced me to this whole other world of making films. And uh, they've been a part of my life pretty much ever since. And it, it was all just kind of random how I made this film. And I showed it to a couple of these so-called, you know, at the time, in my mind, was filmmakers or yep, people yep. working in the industry. But, but they were. They were legitimate. Um, and they got they introduced me to that. And I've been making films um, pretty much since then. Um, but Rentless was my first film. And a film called 210 was my second film. And I made those two films with my... Um, with that, with that Canon uh, mini DV cam- t- uh, camera. Actually, 210 is on my YouTube page if you want to watch that. But those are two films that I got a lot of praise for that asked me, how did I know where to put, how did I know how to do that? And I just said, I self-talk and I just kind of figured, compose my shots, how I compose them. I use non-actors, I just use my friends at the time. And I, I just, I don't know, I can't explain it. I just, that's just, it was always an instinctual process for me. But it made, what, what, what came out of that was, Everything, it just made sense. Getting behind the camera, filming, it just made sense to me.
0: I love that. And there you go. And now, man, there you go. <laughs> well, that's the perfect answer, man. You know that. Um, I love that it's so instinctual for you because everything, like, every everything that I've watched, it, it it's very, there's a storytelling aspect that we'll get into later with with there's a thread that i noticed through it and you can call me a bullshitter or you can say hey wow I did, yeah you're right uh later i oh, will wait for that but um i do love how instinctual that that story is because most people like i can say from going from being a, a, a salesman during the day very generic to trying to do something any sort of creative uh endeavor, I podcasting was not instinctual to me. I was like banging buttons and spilling things. And like, I didn't know where to put my hands. Like I felt like, felt like I was playing volleyball. I didn't know whether to like bump or volley. Right. You're just like, you're confused of what, what to do. So knowing that this thing that you do that looks so great is just like, you know, it's like riding a bike for you. It, it's that's a, I, I love that. That's where it all came from. That's its Genesis. Um, what are some of the films that, like you, you, you pick you pick up this DVD camera, right? And they all the greats. I think we can both agree. Start saying, just shoot, just do it, just just get out there and and make stuff because the only way you're going to learn is if you're going to do it. Um, but what were some of the films that kind of inspired you to keep going? Right, you found this thing that you're good at. But so, like, what inspires you? What filmmakers at the time were you emulating? You said Robert Rodriguez. Was there anybody else?
1: Definitely, I can. What I can say about that is I grew up. um more or less, uh, '90s, I guess. We're we're probably around the same. Yeah. You know, same same level. <laughs> Life- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I no, would I say, agree. We'll call it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, uh, and I grew up in the '90s, and a lot of the films I used to watch. Uh, um, one big film, and I think this, and other than *Redless*, I've never made another action film. Uh, well, I kind of did make it a little action skit, but and that's on my Vimeo page by the uh, I never actually set out to make an actual martial arts action film, but enter the dragon jackie chan films, um, <laughs> the protector i love all those films growing up i love those films yes um, there's such a huge part of what i've you know now that i imagine it I'm, i'd love to do in the future which is why i say rentless you know there's action in that film and i want to you know she was cheesy action I'll, i will say i mean um but uh definitely you know i do want to make a, the indigenous kung fu hustle and you know rentless will probably be that film but it's going to be that film i should say it's not probably it is going to be um all those films that grew up with: Enter the Dragon, Jackie Chan's the the protector. Well, the protector. I shouldn't say the protector. That was alright. Police Story was the bigger one. Um, but after that, I you know one of the fil- I remember watching a VHS tape at my buddy's house, and he didn't really get into it. He was you know I think he was hanging out with his girlfriend. I was just hanging out with him, and he rented this film called Clerks. There uh, <laughs> oh, so we go. I, I, I watched this film called Clerks, and. <laughs> You know, it's kind of coincidental uh, that Kevin Smith was... I, I didn't know who Kevin Smith was at the time, but obviously you <laughs> just interviewed Kevin Smith a few days ago. I hope I'm not spoiling it for anyone. No, no, that, no, no, so no, 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 really, no, no, you're not. So that's really um, interesting that, that uh, this whole thing came about, that I watched this film. But it wasn't just that, like, it, it, it was... Something about that, there was a spirit of that, but I think it was more, this guy Jay was, you know, in the film that he was all crazy in Clerks. <laughs> I, it was just something about that whole, that spirit of that film that just stood out to me. Um, but that was one of the films I remember seeing years ago. Um, so I watched, like, obviously I look him up and I'm like, oh, hey, next next film comes out as Mallrats. And um, like I enjoyed Mallrats, I did. But Clerks kind of set it up for me. And I, I'm sorry, I'm not just saying this because you would. No, David I fine. He's, it's he's, fine. He was one of the. Yeah, he was one of the first uh, filmmakers. Um, not that I didn't, I didn't know him at the time. I just knew the the film clerks. So after that, when I actually started getting into filmmaking, I discovered, I discovered, I rediscovered the movie uh, El Mariachi, and I watched that years ago again. Um, but I discovered Robert Rodriguez online, right, writing these articles, saying these things about um, just get out there and make your film and. You know if you don't got a cameraman that's fine figure it out um and then i heard he, and then i read that he read a i heard that he read a book uh, he wrote a book and so i bought his um, oh now i just want blank on his book i have it somewhere
0: it's okay um, we're not we're not factually we we'll, we fact check way later sir so it's fine
1: <laughs> robert Rod- yes robert rodriguez's uh book Mar- um uh, rebel without a crew that's what it's called okay so i, I read that book and lots of golden uh Golden, gold information that it, that just really stood out to me that i that that i took the other person was obviously at the time um quentin tarantino reservoir dogs pulp fiction uh, I mean, that was a huge yeah. influence on a lot of my, my friends um and it was it was that whole that I guess that trifecta of filmmakers at the time that really stood out to me and that sounds like kind of cliche cuz that's a cliche thing to say at, right now but <laughs> at the time when I started to get into film when, when I started researching it those were the three big names me coming up whose films I always you know enjoyed watching i remember seeing desperado like years ago again after and that was rodriguez's second film or his first was it his first his first official studio film release well yeah cuz um, isn't it based on yeah.
0: el mariachi
1: yeah, it's pretty much. He says it's kind of the, the spiritual sequel, but it was pretty much what he what he. I, I heard him say it in an interview. I could be wrong. Someone's listening to your on the podcast. That's like, fine. He, he didn't say that. They'll nail us but in I the car. He said he, we just made the same film with a bigger budget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the stuff he wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's so he, exactly so what that is. It's a Spiritual successor. <laughs>
0: I got more money for two more acts.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's like, I'll, I'll go make that. Yeah. So, uh, but I, I like even. um uh kevin smith's films like uh so he made Mallrats and he played um then he made um ah, oh, chasing why amy i'm am drawing a blank here i knew oh, chasing amy was the other one yes so there was like that one and then uh the other one the, lot, the next one after that so i watched like all his all his films right it was just at the time i didn't realize where that was leading me to but that was something i i, I sort of grew up with you know that sounds kind of when I when I think back because it's so cliche everyone says oh Kevin Smith Robert Rodriguez and Tarantino I say yeah of course yes like for me like yeah of course those are the people of our time like at the generation especially when I was getting the film they were still the big names I mean now it's Chris Nolan um, who's the other big ones well J.J. Uh, Abrams right now, Chris Canadian Nolan
0: Adventures. yeah like every, Russo brothers everybody everything's a blockbuster now where you're talking like Tarantino Rodriguez and Smith are both filmmakers not everything they make is off the wall but like it really is they're they're in the art of filmmaking where jj abrams and the russo and all these other aforementioned people they're in the world making business they're making something that's like an escape where the stuff and i agree with you about kevin smith and rodriguez and tarantino i mean my first true cops and robbers movie is reservoir dogs like that's that's where I hold a lot. That's my measuring stick for a good cops and robbers movie, and um, with Tarantino just being crazy, Kevin Smith being experimental, and 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 having the balls to just leave film school like his story and then go out and you know rack up credit card debt to make what he's making, I can see your 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 love of those three guys and everything I've watched by you. I can. It's it's definitely evidently there. Um,
1: for sure. Thank you. I, but I did want to continue. I did yeah, want to say yeah, this yeah. before I get into it because that's the cliche and I didn't finish <laughs> that story. Sorry, Michael. No, 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 that's fine. Um, go on, go on. As I grew as a filmmaker, I discovered other films and I started watching older films and I started watching foreign films and a lot of my uh, filmmakers now, who I consider probably my top four, my top, I'll say top five. So um, this is the one film that I discovered. It's my, it's my number one on my list and the director's number one on my list. Uh, and it's everything I learned about filmmaking. Um, so after I got into it and I started actually studying film, um, like on my own and researching it and watching more movies and watching more documentaries and reading as many articles as I could and um, as many books th- that I can actually finish reading, um, Akira Kurosawa, Seven Samurai. Uh-huh. Everything I learned about uh-huh. filmmaking, I learned from Seven Samurai. And then I-, I used to say that and then someone, I don't know, maybe someone heard my quote and made it into a book, but maybe <laughs> someone used use that title and uh, of course i'm kidding i don't know who they author is at all but um but someone wrote a book called that and i was like oh man someone stole my someone stole my code <laughs> and they're going to think i'm stealing it <laughs> but but seven samurai uh, i watched that film then i listened to the commentary and then i watched it again and then i studied it and i was like wow the imagery the metaphors the the photography the storytelling um, everything like that just really stood out to me and Akira Kurosawa's uh, film library was just extensive, influential and a lot of I don't know if a lot of people who a lot of your listeners know that obviously The Hidden Fortress was a huge um, influence on George Lucas as Star Wars and his uh, Yojimbo know, and um, the, the Samurai series was a huge influence on uh, the man without the man with no name with Clint Eastwood.
0: Yes, no, definitely. I I know that. I didn't yeah. know Star Wars, but I did know the man with uh, no name for for the Clint Eastwood the good the bad the ugly series was. It's it's just putting revolvers and ponchos and cowboy hats on people and taking off kimonos and 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 katanas. Like you're just re- you're you're just replacing the clothing, but that story is identical. I I couldn't agree with you more.
1: Well, so from there, um, I was going to tell you, um, in my film The Maintenance Man, there's an image in, um, not Sanjeri, Yojimbo, um, where the samurai is facing, um, well, the samurai with no name, I guess we can call him Yojimbo, um, <laughs> is facing the bad guys, and there's this wind that comes up behind him, and there's that image of, like, there's this huge storm behind him, and that's an image for, like, his wrath, I guess. We'll just say, for lack of a better term, it could be his anger <laughs> or his, his yeah. fury. Um but there was a small image but there it was just the metaphor of that that um the kurosawa, uh, uh, kurosawa akira kurosawa used. that in the maintenance man there's a scene that i that i that i use and it was uh when my maintenance man was standing there and then leaves kind of blow around him yep after he sees the girl yeah so i use that and i and i knew i use that i'm saying it now because I, I know at the time people were like the crew was like what are you doing like why do we keep like doing this scene and i'm like There's just, there's a certain pattern I need to try and get from anyways, but it's in the film. Now that you've saw it, but that's. I know exactly what you're
0: talking about now. Like I really, I, I thought the main, I loved it. I really it. I'm getting into short film. I'm getting into more filmmaking and not movie making. And so everything is new to me, so I'm like I'm trying to be as much of a sponge and look at it from from a met, looking at it through metaphor, looking at it through a simile, looking at it through a different storytelling. What adventure we're trying to tell? What's the under? What's the subplot? What's the subtext? All those big words, um, I'm trying to get better at. But I really did the, the, the way you created menace and anger silently inside of Wob in that was re- I was I was glued to that, and I was like I got really angry. I got really angry when that guy, like when she came out the second time and she had gotten hit, I was like, motherfucker, like that shit really, and it was quick and it was easy. And, and there, there's a lot there with not a lot going on. And I was very
1: impressed by that. Thank you. Thank you. And I honestly have to give a lot of props to my actors um, and maintenance man. And we can talk about that later on Yeah, Yeah, before we get more into that. I did want to finish up. I'll just really oh, quick. sorry, I'm Some cutting of you off. Bad, bad, bad the interview. The other directors bad that interview. I influenced that it wasn't just a trifecta <laughs> of cliche filmmakers, <laughs> can't, uh, can't. Kevin Smith, Robert Rodriguez, and Tarantino. It was actually, now my filmmakers are my top filmmakers, I think, right now. are Not, I think, but they are. Akiri Kurosawa, number one. Um, I love all those films. Um, great storyteller. Um, I think he's a great influential uh, figure on my directing. Um uh, werner herzog i love documentary. ah yes um, i really applied a lot of his dog i think you watched one of my documentaries i applied a lot of his teachings into my documentary storytelling. yes um takishi Kitano and takishi mckay they're two japanese directors but i you know uh Sonatine was the other one oh, i'll probably get the name wrong and then uh the dead or alive uh trilogy series like uh addition takishi made that film uh it's a japanese horror film um and also now is like david fincher is probably my most modern uh, director one of my top 5 directors so uh, so there you go so i didn't just it wasn't just what i started it wasn't just the cliche tri- trifecta of directors who influenced me now it you know there was a lot of other directors that i really enjoyed i got a top 10 but for now those are my top 5
0: perfect no and i i get it i totally get it like you get something something easy something cheesy something fun and Quentin Tarantino, bloody and, and full of action, right? Like, I know why they pull you in, but then to just stay stagnant and not explore other directors and other filmmakers and other genres and other parts of the world, right? To get outside of North America. Pe- most people don't think that. Like, I'm I'm very new to getting into foreign film myself, if we're being honest here. So I'm not going to pretend that I've got this extensive catalog to pull from. Um, but I'm enjoying it more often then I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would because I've I got sucked into the the hole. But my point is is that if you don't grow, like it's totally fine to be sucked in by Kevin Smith and Quentin Tarantino and Robin Rodriguez, but thirty years later it's not good to still be sucked in by Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez. You've you've missed a ton of opportunity to learn and expand. So I uh, yes, yeah, so it's very mature of you, Roger.
1: <laughs> well there are thank, thank you I and mean, there are a lot of great storytellers all over the world and I, I think that's the one thing is that watching foreign films and i try to watch a lot of you know look i, I watch a lot of uh i think i just did a um a podcast with james uh on oh boy guys movies. oh and boy we were talking about uh, velozo preacher yes <laughs> Velaso pastor yes okay i watch i watch films like that and i'm like okay <laughs> Um, I think I think that we were and we were discussing other crazy Veloso Pastor was another maybe wait wait maybe I didn't do a podcast but I apologize <laughs> if you're listening that I'm getting my my films mixed up. Well, we just watched a crazy, um, I think it's called and the correct. Um, I apologize if this is the wrong term. Japanese ploycation was one of the films and it was like uh, Robo Geisha, like it was called. Oh God! So, we, I wa- so I watch films like that. The whole the, what I was trying to say is I watch films like that. I watch horror films. I watch '70s <laughs> horror films. I watch like obviously old American action films from the 90s hey uh, samurai cop was awesome um,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I also watch like obviously I watched a lot of the award-winning films I watch a lot of foreign films I try to watch French films and Norwegian films and like a South Korean Korean films Japanese and, and Chinese films um are films I I've been watching over over the the last 10 years the last decade I always try to watch more so I don't just try and just have like oh I, I need to watch transformers eight or whatever I don't, know. Like, I, don't get me wrong i love avengers but it's like and you know i love chris nolan's films and storytelling but i'm not sitting here going like yeah chris Nolan. you know like he is a great he is a great filmmaker but that's not just who influenced me so i i grew i feel like i've grown as a filmmaker not just the locals <laughs> right, the <cliches. laughs> Fair enough. No, right, I, right. The I, is what yeah. I mean. yeah.
0: you, uh, it, it's, it's, it's evident from a person who's watched your stuff. So if you're hoping that comes across the screen, it does a hundredfold. Um, when coming up with a new idea, where do you, how do you find inspiration for what you make? Like where I know you said it's instinctual that you picked up the camera and you know, you know, the, the, the technical aspects, the, the heavy lifting of it, but the creative side where, where did stories like maintenance man for example um how do you does that just strike you do you see it somewhere is it a conversation where are you finding your your muse
1: a lot of as i grew as a film as i'm growing as a filmmaker a lot of my, some of my films are inspired by real life a lot of them are experiences um the maintenance man uh, what can i say about that it was just um it was an idea i had about like what would it uh and I'm trying to, like, obviously, when I, when I started, ma- when I made The Maintenance Man, I was a lot younger, I was getting into it, and, um, you know, what, what is it, if someone, if someone can step into someone's life and help them, you know, that's kind of, the, yeah, the point, the, the idea behind that, like, what does that mean, and someone who's trying to find their redemption, like, uh, the, ba- I'll, I will tell you this about the backstory, um, I'm just, I'm trying to, there's an image in, in another film that I'm trying to remember, okay, Seventh steel. remember that, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay all right. okay, so, um, and uh, it was inspired by three or four films, uh, just the images in, in that film. But the idea behind that was uh, the backstory that I had told my actor Wob um, was: you had done something really bad. You were you were your character was really drunk. Your character did something really, bad this is why he went to jail. And he the backstory is he he had hurt his his ex, and uh, and he you know through time through healing he's come to realized that that wasn't who he was and he wanted to, and he tried to heal from that and now you're getting out of jail and you are just want to live a quiet life and you're trying to find redemption because you want to you want to feel like that, that that you you did something really bad but you grew out of that you became you're trying to become a better person and for him internally there's a certain redemption that he wants to try and find so when he moves in this apartment building and he sees this other guy obviously and he sees this he meets this woman that he has a connection with uh in the building then they just uh he was he's able to find his redemption. I hope that was I hope that's making sense. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, it,
0: but in the- I 100% saw that in the film. That's what I was I wanted to make a critique of that well not critique but just a comment that I love a redemption story. I love a I love an underdog. I love a guy who's hard on his luck in some sort of situation. Specifically I do love it when they get out of prison and they're trying to be better because that that in society, like if you if you're an ex con, like you're labeled pretty hard. And mm-hmm. so that's that's not the easiest place to come from. So I love that backstory for the for the character about it. But no, it makes it makes perfect sense. So that's coming from like is that a, like was that a I don't want to draw too deep into your backstory, but was that a personal situation? No, it was just that-
1: um, it was just not personal experience, but it was definitely inspired by things I've seen and people okay. I've known and, uh, those ideas I get. And that's not like it didn't, that, that wasn't like, uh, oh, you know, uh, step by step, this is what happens. It was just, obviously a lot of stories come from people I grew up with. They're inspired by people, people I grew up with, good or bad. Um, and they're influenced by even just my own personal experiences. Um, I'll move, I'll, well, we can talk about hockey dad next, but I, I huh. just finished, uh, Yeah, the yeah. This man was, uh. Uh, that's kind of where the idea was. And so I started putting the, together that redemption story. And a lot of the images were inspired by, uh, obviously I said Seven Samurai. There was a scene there, uh, Old Boy. Um, oh, Parks, old, oh, Park, oh, I love Chandler Old, Parks, I, old oh, Boy. I love yeah, Old Boy. boy. <laughs> old Boy, not the Spike Lee one. Yeah, <laughs> can see
0: there. I've seen both of them. I, I did give myself the opportunity to watch the new one and was like yeah okay i mean whatever you had to do what you had to do to put people in the seats but the original is one of the craziest stories you could ever if you haven't seen old Very boy visceral.
1: yes for the listeners out there uh i can understand that if you've never seen the original old boy and you watched spike lee's version you might be like wow that's so crazy you know like but if you watch the original and you've seen the original the first time that story i will say this uh michael is that if I could ever make a film as good as Old Boy, I'll just stop filmmaking.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: I'll, I'll go back to construction or I'll go back to, I'll, I'll be a, become a truck driver, or whatever. Like, I'll just, you know, I'll just stop making films. All right. But I'll hold if you I to ever that. I'll make a film as visceral and good as Old Boy. I'll be like, so, I'll, I'll, those,
0: if I see that film, if you make that film, I'll just come over to you and I'll be like, Old Boy, I'll whisper it in your ear and I'll walk away. And then you'll know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'll be like oh well that's it for me guys I'm Thank you. um but was there so there's that scene the, the hammer is obviously from that scene from the because from, i thought hey, yes he using? And I was yeah inspired by old boy so he he has a hammer in maintenance man um there was another film um that inspired that and that was uh seventh seal so in seventh seal the character and i hope i'm not reading these films for you um, no 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 um uh in the seventh seal the character has a chess game with death so and i just thought that was such a philosophical idea that my character in maintenance man and no one ever asked me like why is, who's he playing chess with he's playing chess he's with just, himself chess board moving you know and then that was the thing but he's playing chess uh, metaphorically with you know the bad side of him Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. That's what I, I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you brought that up. I loved it when he like toppled over, like he walked by the chessboard and was like, just made the move because that's it. That that's, that's one of those like silent omissions, right? Like you've got a character who's coming out of prison, but yet knows chess. Usually you get a lot of time in prison. So he spent time trying to better himself, try to become smarter because chess is, is, is a game for people who use their brain. So I love that there was that little nuance of like, oh, he's a chess player. Like it it gave your character more depth and it made you understand who he was as a person with just a quick two second shot. And you didn't have to get too complex. And it's a short film, so you don't have a lot of time. So it's a great way to be like, oh, there's more to this guy than just, you know, a maintenance man.
1: I mean, obviously, I put a lot of those things, those ideas, in there, but my in my film, and Maintenance Man, I will say about this was my first film that I actually had a budget. So the previous films that I told you about, um, (laughs) Rentless and Two Ten, were just made with whatever. Uh, uh, Maintenance Man, I had a budget, so I got a a Winnipeg Film Group. Um, It was called, it was a grant, but it was the first film, okay, first film fund grant, it was called. So I was able to. um, Actually, one of one of the people who helped me was one of your guests, I believe, Shelley.
0: Shelly um, Anthes, yes. He helped me on there. Yes. Shelly's... You're all great. All you film people in Winnipeg are the best fucking people on the planet. That's the whole purpose of this, man, is that like, there's a small pocket of stupid, great creative geniuses in the province of Manitoba with great film tax credits and great places for lots of different locations that not a lot of people outside of the in i know the industry knows about it but not a lot of people outside of the industry go oh manitoba they go toronto vancouver montreal well fuck you everybody manitoba's the yeah. shit and that's the purpose so back to you
1: <laughs> yeah no winnipeg does have a lot of uh, manitoba itself has a lot of creative individuals but unfortunately the people that always get promoted or seen are they in toronto or vancouver or yeah. Montreal. so it's unfortunate well we have a lot of great talented filmmakers here and they don't get uh, they don't always get their due um but they will that's something we could talk about that I've been trying to help, especially for indigenous filmmakers. For yes. I want, like I want that out. to
0: be a big part of the show so we can, let's <laughs> rifle through, through some of the more, um, you know, just who you are stuff here. Um Do you, the,
1: you oh, the, oh, sorry. The go ahead. You asked me your first question. I do want to follow up with the, the hockey dad. So that yes. was inspired by, um so he we went from the maintenance man. Uh, hockey dad was inspired by um my niece being born. So oh. um, obviously that was my niece, but, you know, I, I changed it to uh, it was you know a a father and a mother. I was fighting, and you know, um, despite what his wife thinks about him, he still has the love of his daughter in the film. So it was no matter how bad he is. It was so that was it. So you ask like where my stories and ideas come from? They're always yeah. inspired by someone I know or just in personal experiences. But I've yet to put a well. I shouldn't say I've yet to. Um, I keep it. I'm pretty coy. But I try to be pretty coy about it, but I, like there's, there's filmmakers who hundred percent put their experiences on screen and they make really great films. Um, but I haven't a hundred percent. I've taken inspiration from, uh, my life and, you know, personal experiences.
0: Well, you've, if that's really interesting to know where that personal experience comes from, because it, it reads on screen that it would look like, a, a dad, uh and he's a hockey fan and wanting his daughter to follow in his footsteps and you know you know think it's as cool as dad thinks and then you get this big bait and switch where what's happening between the father and the daughter gets even more dramatic when the mother comes in and I was like that's cool. I thought that was really neat because you were leading the audience member down a path where you're like, oh, this is a relationship about them. No, it's actually about the angry parents and I'm from a divorced family. So, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I know what that feels like at a soccer game. Like that's that is a definite I, I was I emoted with that. But um I like how it's your niece was born. How do you take that feeling and tell it on screen without telling the entire Story, like you say, you want to be inspired, you don't want to tell the whole the whole shebang, you don't want to put it on, on screen, per se.
1: Yes, so that's and then, and yeah, and then yeah, and it's just the idea was trying to be behind it. I think, um, I know one of the ideas was, uh, um, no matter how bad how, how do I say that? How did I say this again? I'm trying to remember, it's been so long since Hockey Dad. That was that was my second film that I actually got a budget for, uh, <laughs> and it probably showed, but I mean, uh, Hockey Dad was, uh, no matter how terrible that this mother or this person thinks his, the father is like, um, he's a good dad. Yeah. He's a good, he's a good person, you know? And so he can have nothing else, but he has that.
0: No, that was, yeah. I liked, I liked that. I, 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 you, I got a soft spot in my heart for, for troubled families coming from one and all that. So well done tear in the eye. Um, when you, (laughs) when you do, uh, when you get on set, are you, you've written, like, are you really script oriented or do you kind of step outside and let actors improv a little bit? Or are you by the page?
1: Um, I, you know, that's the one thing too. Like I, I guess I always consider myself lucky for not working with actors right away. <laughs> like actual actors. <laughs> I was working with my friends. Like even maintenance man was actually just friends of mine. Right. Yeah. Um, wab before you know I, um before obviously he's, you know we know wab now is uh a political leader yes um, um and then jessica also was a local uh model but I, she lives um i think she moved to vancouver um and I, I did want to say quickly um because we're talking yes about please Mates, man and will my friend will will ha- has recently passed so um just want to give a my my condolences to his family but he was he was a really he's never he never acted before and i do want to say that will was probably um stood out to a lot of people um in his ability and i always i always i always encouraged him to continue acting but he you know he went his own way of life and um yeah but he did a really good job there and a lot of people were really inspired by him but yeah no he was
0: i he made me he made me not like him that's for sure yeah
1: so, and he was a really and he was a really good guy. So you know, for someone who no acting experience, I you know, he was able to give that performance. And I was you know, try to encourage him and like even Wob and, and Jessica at the time. And like um, they, they just you know, everyone goes their own way of life and totally. That's totally totally fine. Um, but with that being said, I think I got into the hockey da- got onto the hockey dad. I got into the film hockey dad, and so I was able to actually go through a casting process. And I went through a casting process, um, with, yeah, with my friend Shelly she knew how to go do all that and that was that's where my fear was and i had to get over my fear of casting actors um so i was yeah shelly was like i was like no how about i'll just ask one of my friends and like, what i'm used to right what's yeah. been working for me and she says no no let's let's cast i'll help you and i was like okay sure so i'm happy she did and i'm very thankful she did because we we cast some really good actors and in, in hockey dad and uh they come with their ideas um how it, so how it approaches is you know obviously you have people setting if you have a good assistant director and a production manager they all do all the work for you my job is to at least this is what i what i'm learning now i mean the more <laughs> bigger budgets we get to and we can get to later on what i'm working on in the future but um you know you have people doing these jobs i don't have to do everything myself you know what i mean so i would just show up on hockey dad especially i showed up and I uh, kind of had an idea. I, I walked through the, that week, I talked with my um, my director of photography and we just kind of talked about the shots, kind of what we we're going for, had a shot list and um, then I had to work with the actors and the actors came, knew all their lines and they knew kind of, I told them the ideas behind it, the backstory and I told the backstory to the actor. I believe I did, I hope I did. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm saying that now he'll be, and he, if he ever listens to this, he'll be like he never told me that backstory, but um, I hope I did, but you kind of have an idea of like uh, what I've learned about actors, like um, professional working with professional actors is there's two, my, I have two approaches. One is I guess they just, as long as they learn their lines, they ask me questions. I can ask that, but I should have a backstory for them to have, so they have motivation. And this is where you get to like, what's my motivation with that, but it's just like, what's my goal. And like the actor is just coming like, why would I do this? Is pretty much what they're saying. Why would I do this? You know, that's so you have to have an answer for them. And um, you know, hopefully if you re- you understand your story deep enough and you have a good backstory for them, then you just have to tell the actors, this is why you do this. And they say, okay, I get it. Or you might, you might take a, l- a little bit more process to it, but a lot of it is to casting the right actor for the right, right role. And um, my approach is directing is when I, when we're on set, we kind of walk through the, pro- we walk through the scene. Um, they say their lines, they say, okay, let's just, let's roll. And I don't say nothing. And uh, this is just how I've grown to become more of a director. I let the actors kind of figure not, not figure it out. If I cast them, I cast them for a reason and they bring something to it. And then I, yeah, we would just adjust the performance and you know l- little less of this, little less less of that. I like I like what you're doing here. um or sometimes you just, you know like, hey, I need you to do this for this reason. you know <laughs> you have to explain to them. And I say that now, and I'm sure my actors will be like, yeah, right, That's not how he directs, but you know this is what I'm learning <laughs> as I'm growing as a filmmaker and, if you're not making mistakes, you're not growing. But I've really gotten to... Uh, I've tried to get in the habit of letting my... Just my actors go through the scene. And then I'm like, okay, I like that. Or I don't like that. And then we talk about it after. Um, that's kind of my process. But I—but having a backstory and casting the right actors for the right right roles, I think, would be the first step. Of course, I'm saying that now. And it's like, you know, you'll see one of my films and I'll be just using my friends again. Because like, <laughs> I, 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 I can't... Yeah, it's just like, I just want to make a film with my friends and none of my friends are actors. So,
0: but essentially aren't you like you're casting what you want. You're, you're not casting a, a trained actor. Let's, let's be prank. <laughs> They're not trained actors, you, but like you're getting what you want because you see something that you like. So technically speaking, it, it just all comes out in the wash the same way. You're just not going through somebody picking it. But um, I, I think that's cool. Like, I, I don't, I've never I'm not on set. I don't know these things. That's why I, I like asking them because I'm a fan as much as I'm, you know, trying to, you know, let that be there. Be, have a have a platform to talk about this. Um, but is it I wouldn't imagine it's common to be like, do your thing and then we'll talk where mostly it's like they've auditioned. They're there for a reason. So I imagine the director would just be like, I want this. We're doing it this way where you're like, yeah, have some fun. Stretch it out, see what it does. Like that's a, that's pretty neat environment to set up for an actor. I would imagine.
1: As long as you are getting your shots, I think, and you you you've probably talked about it beforehand, and you cast the right actor. I mean, you, there'd be time to time to play. But I, I'm I'm very lucky that uh I kind of, not that I say I wouldn't run those challenges because I I have totally, um, but just having a plan, the more prepared I am, especially mentally, like that sounds so you you write something out usually and have a plan with your actors beforehand you have to have a plan with everyone um the better you plan the less i guess the better opportunity you'll have to play if something's not working but it's also like knowing that your actor can ad-lib on something there's been instances where i'm like you know that line isn't working it's not working where it's not there's there's something there's not a, the beat isn't working for me the you know Lepes doesn't work for me can we say something else that we so we start at that like, can maybe say this maybe see that and they would say well how about i try this or how about i try that and then you discover something in that moment and yeah it's just sometimes like you just play i mean you just let the actor play and come out and you find that truth in the scene that sounds so you know well every time i say that I, no I don't i like a cliche director but i mean that's just it i mean sometimes you and, then you, and that's when you get to that moment if you see that's magic. I mean, that's when they say that that's real acting, when you believe that person is, is that person and they're being honest in that scene and they're letting it out. And that's something that a, a good actor can find and, and you know, are, are, you can help the actor find that. Um, and that's my job as a director is just trying to find that. And um, But it's also trying to navigate the actor's questions. I'm saying, why would I do that? Why, why would my actor character do this? Why would my character walk up the stairs? when I know there's a scary monster running around here? You know, you have to have a reason for them.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> I I get it. Like, because if it's your vision without a backstory, without those baby steps to help them get close enough to the character, yeah, no, that can that can be a shit show. Um,
1: yeah, and I've gotten used to working with like i'm i'm getting more better I, like over the years i've worked with non actors and I, that's how i come up with work with non actors cuz i didn't want to work with actors cuz i always <laughs> considered myself as uh, well i'm just making films well, why would i and a trained actor want to work with me i'm just trying to make films with my friends but then i realized oh actors need experience so that's why they want to work with you and you know i, I do want to i st- still make films here and there but i always try to give my film my actors and filmmakers something i feed obviously i feed them all my all my all my actors and my crew um, but you know because uh i don't you don't always get budgets but i don't want to get i i make my films if i got to be with the cameraman and do everything fine you know but that's how much i enjoy filming <laughs> movie, so oh excuse um, me i'm trying to you. get your story correct, <laughs> but, yeah if i waited for funding i would you i would have only made hockey dad in the maintenance man
0: <coughs> excuse me sorry about that that's okay. um that's that's smoke down the wrong lung <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> Ugh new vaporizer. So, uh my apologies. <laughs> I should have tested it before we started recording. Um no, I think I, I I I dig that. That that makes me smile, sir, in a lot of ways. Um I one more thing before we kind of get into the bulk of of what I watched and what I wanted the people to learn about some of the things and where they can watch it too. Um what's the hardest artistic choice you have to make when you're making one of your films? Like are you are you Where do you find where you because you've got to cut something unless you're Alfred Hitchcock, which means you shoot exactly what you need. And that is it and nothing else. But I imagine Alfred Hitchcock only did that. The story I know goes because he didn't like the studio interfering so they couldn't take anything out that wasn't extra. He didn't give extra. But I imagine you get, you know, you're like, let's do it this way. Let's do it that way. Let's block it this way. Let's light it that way. Right. So, like. Where do you find the hardest thing about chopping it up and getting it to its final product?
1: There's a saying in that all filmmakers should know, and if they if they're just getting into it, they they'll learn this is that is a, the saying is called "You kill your babies." Is, <laughs> but you, you do not be afraid <laughs> you do not be afraid <laughs> to cut the things that you love the most to make the film work, okay. so um what i there are things that i've had to cut um entire scenes that i just realized i don't need that like and we spent some time on that i'm trying to think there's a couple uh was it the maintenance man had a scene that i just like nope don't need that um maybe hockey dad might might have had something in there but i I was like ah no i don't need that um there's a couple other like uh i'm just trying to think what but there's been t- there's been times of that, that we've done that you just you just have to be like i oh i wanted that shot from above but i can't afford a crane so it's like <laughs> oh man you know
0: no I, yeah i get
1: it I, I just I, that's I, what you have to and you have to learn that I, and what i'm even learning right now so like I'm, i'll i be making a feature film um next year and right now I'm trying to get to that next level of filmmaking i mean i'm talking like i'm you know a professionally paid director but Uh, Maybe I am, or I'm just talking like uh, like who the hell is this guy? (laughs) 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 But I'm trying to get to that level of um, um, becoming, making this a a consistent uh, career. And uh, like even now, this film that I'm making, uh, I told my producer and I'm working with a screenwriter, like, do not be afraid to tell me, for me to grow, um, do not be afraid to tell me if it's terrible, and so they're pretty honest with me. And then I'm like, oh yeah. man, I, I thought I was good, but I guess, <laughs> you know, it's getting over that hurdle. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was decent, but I guess I'm not, because they obviously they're these and they've read and they've worked with people at a higher level than I have. So I'll put it that way. And um, they just, you know, when you hear someone say, Well, your 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 lines are kind of terrible, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, okay, but that's okay, because for me, I have to get over that hurdle of um I guess embarrassing myself to, to become better at it. And, yeah, uh, that's, I was, and that's I was natural. Back to, I always harking this back to to hockey. Um, the first time I'll, I'll quickly digress to this quick story, but it'll it leads into the philosophy of me having please, a to become please. a better person. Was the first time I went out to one of my gym, uh, a gym to play floor hockey. Um, so I started playing floor hockey. I picked up a hockey stick. It made sense. I never was put into ice hockey when I was younger, so I had to kind of again self taught right? Um, But I picked up hockey stick and it just made sense. So I played ball hockey at at probably our top level in Manitoba for a few years. Um, But prior to that, uh, when I first started playing like on drop-in hockey, the very first time I went to this gym, um, they put people against the wall to pick teams. So they pick some captains and then they go like, okay, you pick one, you pick two. And you know, they, they pick teams, right? So captain one goes to take that guy captain two take that guy and he just went on and on and on so all the players on the wall soon went to join their teams and it came down to the last pick uh this little last guy and he was like okay he looked at the other guy there's me my, myself and this other guy standing there and this is a true story he um um he looks at that me he looks at the other guy and he goes i'll take him so he picked the other guy and i was like oh man i'm not even i'm last oh but you know i thought i was last the guy running the, the the gym was like okay let's all play i was a no pick they just started playing and ignored me <laughs> um, so i was like wow okay it's like that i guess so i kind of went and sat down and i was like damn like that's horrible you it, 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 yes and that this is a true story um but i figured you know what I'll, I'll stick around if one of the teams needs a player i'll just play i came here for a reason so um eventually i did play a, a couple games that night and uh Uh, I just stuck with it and um, I will say like as from that gym that I was at a few years later we joined we formed a team we were last uh, and we just we just kept practicing we kept working at it I kept practicing I kept working at it Um, I kept learning from the better people around me um, to the point where we uh, our our team had set a record at the time uh, so you play 16 games in a season for a ball hockey season so in our winter league we set a record and we have 16 games a season and we were the first team to go 16 and all in the regular season um, we were the first team to have I think over 200 goals in 16 games so that's average of like 12 goals a game or something my math could be off of that but we had around 12 average 12 goals for you know by our team and, and we had i think we were the only team to have three players with over 90 points so myself and my two other superstar teammates um (laughs) both set records for goals and assists and i was lucky to be on a team with them um but that when i retired when i retired (laughs) from from competitive hockey and i always regret because i didn't have any coaches i should have i always look back at my hockey career and like ah i could have done a lot better I just i was not focused where i should have been and i could have played at a higher level um, than I ever did because I just it was just working or learning and working um, but uh, when I retired um, uh, my friend put our name on the wall and I, it wasn't like a big official ceremony retire. it was just like hey guys I'm gonna start focusing on that's awesome and, though. This and you know and stop doing that um, when I when I left the team um, I was the captain so that's uh,
0: like that's a that's a, that's the definition of putting in work and seeing what comes out of it 100 percent.
1: so the, the whole point of that was story was you know yeah if i want to play at a higher level of <clears throat> script writing and filmmaking i need to surround myself with the right people and i need to yeah. risk embarrassing myself in my terrible writing that i have to actually get better at it and hear honest feedback from people who have no uh no stake in my career i guess you can say but um but be honest, I guess, with my career and, and just know that I can get better and know what the area I'm going in. Like, this is my career now. It's not ball hockey. Like, ball hockey was, you know, a part of my life years ago, um, which is actually hockey dad was ball hockey. They, they played yeah, hockey, it was. Yeah. Hockey. I saw because I he was playing with a ball. I caught that. Yeah. I was
0: like, ball hockey. Yeah, no, I, I remember playing ball hockey when I was a Cub Scout for like years in a church basement in North Kildonan in Winnipeg like ball hockey is ball hockey. And my shins have a very long sorted history of playing without goalie pads and trying to pretend I was Boba Senza at like nine years old. No, I, 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 I have a romance with ball hockey too. I get it. But I love that story. Like that's like, it is like not to get all cliche, like you said, and not to get all like Hallmark, but like, that's, that's just concrete shit, man. That's just doing something, getting better at it, being able to take, being able to be critiqued, being able to told, you know, it's not that you're not good. It's just, you're not doing this well. You can do it better. And yeah, that's exactly how you'll, that's exactly how someone's going to walk up to you one day and say, old boy in your ear. And then you'll know, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's
1: see,
0: how that see how I brought that back. See, um, yeah, I brought that back. Yeah, see what you did there. <laughs> so, so I want to move into some of your film stuff here and then talk about some of the boards that you're on, some of the initiatives that you're about to, because I want noise to be made about that stuff. But, uh, what I what I watched and loved and and the first one is your most recent one, the Wolf you did, which is on Instagram, and uh, one of our guys, Jimmy Skinner, is getting me back into horror, and so I'm like, give me all the horror, give me all the the paranormal, I love it. So, I uh, I watched the whole thing. I didn't like I was watching it on my MacBook, not on 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 the on my phone, so I just started watching it. And then looked over and was like, "Oh, you shot that on an iPhone!" And I was blown away that, like, that I thought that was all like that. That's how well that was. And then you put like, I love the filter of the old VCR found footage aspect. Um, please tell people what this movie's about because then it'll make more sense. But um, <laughs> I love, I loved, I, I loved it. I was like, "This is this is the perfect amount of cheese." in this kind of story, but um, yeah, for
1: sure. Well, I, I will tell you, I appreciate that and thank you for watching it. Um, and I appreciate your words, um, your kind words, your, your unkind words. I don't know, but uh, your kind words, <laughs> I, appreciate. Um, I, I had it. I've had the idea for a long time. Um, I think when I'm, i it was again at a downtime that I wasn't doing anything. And uh, one of my actors from the spider Amron, Um, We were, we were talking about stuff. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. I was like, we should make, and he's actually a funny guy. And uh, I don't don't know if he's still acting, but like, I'm sure he does still does stuff, but I know he's working right now. And we were talking about it back in the winter time. And I just thought, Hey, I've been wanting to use this, this app on my iPhone and I want to film, make a film on my iPhone. And I want to make it as, you know, a found footage film. And so I could we come up with, uh, me and him came up with an idea. This guy is trying to get pictures <laughs> of some wolf in the, in the, in the countryside and he's with his camera person. So, um, I just figured, like, why don't you, you meet a werewolf? And I'm like, how can I do that? And I always thought it'll just be a silhouette of a werewolf. We won't see the werewolf. And you kind of do in the film because he's like, hey, my cousin has a, and actually I still have his wolf mask. I got to give it back to him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he said, my cousin has a werewolf. Hey, we should do that. I was like, sure. And so uh, I asked one of my one of my other friend filmmaker friends, Cody, and Cody's really tall. So I just thought, hey, uh, Cody, we want to be a werewolf in this thing? He's like, sure. And, and uh, I have helped Cody also. I've helped him make his film um and that's the film you should check out also uh, remains human is called it'll be on youtube nice um but uh, i helped him make his film and he won an just i guess digressing really quick cody won an emerging film award for his uh, remains human film so good for him but he came out and he he was the wolf and uh i tried to again just figuring things out i borrowed a work light from my friend laven um i wrote the script and i just said you know we're not going to, here's the script. We just, it's our template. We, but I know what this is and we're just filming it. And uh again, I got one of my, my other actresses was in town, uh, Morgan. She was in town. And I said, Hey, are you in town? Like, uh, can I, do you have a couple hours that we help me film something? She was sure. Um, I will tell you this. The wolf is uh I film Morgan and I film Amron's scenes totally separate. They were never in the really? same place at the same time. Um, I just did all that. I edited everything together. Um, yeah, I, I
0: fell for it then. I really thought that you had them, first of all, what you did with them, like their exchange, they're like, cause he's, I, uh, the, the character that you gave him, which is the, um, unaware buffoon, the, the, the guy who has the big ego and is completely unaware of how unprepared he is that is one of my favorite characters to watch on screen because it's always comedic no matter what. And then her just giving him shit about how big of an idiot he is asking for gas money, like all those little quips. I was like, this is hilarious. Like this is, and, and then I was like, you did this in 48 hours. Like was, was that for a 48 film festival that you did that for?
1: No, it was, it was just something that I wanted to get out and film something. And I was like, uh, again, I just had the time and, I said I filmed it all together in 48 hours, so it was like maybe I put an hour into the script and then okay. And Admiral, okay, I okay, okay, a couple hours to kind of walk through the whole area. So we did, and we came up with some ideas, and then um, I got everything together. So without another couple of hours, and then I shot uh, probably about four hours. I shot all his scenes, and then um, I took it back. I put it all together on my computer. Um, then I figured out okay I, now I need to film the person and I, you know I was trying to get, that, get a couple of other people I knew but Morgan was available and she she had agreed so um, again three hours I shot her film then I brought everything back and um I just gave her the lines I said this is what you'd say again we just walk into <laughs> we, I work with them the good thing is I work with them so they kind of they were f- both familiar with my style and but it's also like I trusted them enough to be like like what do you think like what do you what are your what are your ideas yeah and I was comfortable enough with them to Make this, and they were both. They were both pretty. I don't say they're gung ho. I just felt like they're doing me a favor. They're <laughs> they they're 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 pretty happy with it. I bought them coffee. I bought everyone coffee. So, and by the time I put everything together in the in the app, I mean, I by the time I downloaded everything, yeah, and I put it all together, I was done. And that all together is about forty eight hours. So it's... if I was doing a forty eight hour film. That's what I would have came up with. So
0: I was, yeah, I loved it. I saved it for like I literally went in order of like how you sent it to me. So we went from like some of your older stuff, which I want to tie back to hockey dad. What I thought was cool, um, and I forgot to mention earlier, and I don't because it's your niece, maybe it was accidental, but did any like hockey dad and daughter not a common trope, right? Not not like in, if if we're talking hockey and we've mm-hmm. seen all the 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 commercials and and nike ads and whatnot for hockey it's usually a very masculine thing so i thought it was very cool that that the daughter and the dad were at the rink together because that's not a common thing and we need to start showing not common things on screen because they're common in real life
1: definitely i think it uh i wasn't thinking about it at the time because usually it'd be the oh it's the father of the son who were there but i just thought um being inspired by my niece that that was a huge part of it so um again the, I hope that probably comes out in the, in the storytelling um why I did that so but yeah at the time I wasn't that wasn't actually it wasn't on my mind I was thinking hmm Tim Hortons has not done this <laughs> like, so <laughs> nice
0: <laughs> hey, hey man whatever it was how, how, how it 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 comes a natural out. flow I guess is,
1: it was just, it was authentic I guess as much as I can say so
0: um, I really wanted to talk about your most recent project, which was Lost Moccasin, um, which I uh, uh, very moving, <laughs> very moving documentary. Um, Whatever you love about Werner came off on screen. You can see it. Your it it's it's a very it's <laughs> it's hard to listen to, and it's and, it, and it's sad, and it's. I it, it blood makes my blood fucking boil and uh, I think I was re- well okay please explain the story first before I start giving you my notes on what I thought because you will do my- it's your film so I'm just gonna shut up but what oh, is the, well, what, what is the, whose story is it
1: um it's Bradford Bradford Bilbao's story so he's just shares his Um, story about reconnecting with his uncle uh, back on his reserve and Radford was part of the 60s group. He's a survivor of the 60s group. So it was his story and it was him sharing Well, he was uh, I guess I I felt honored enough that he was able to be authentic on camera for myself and for me while I was recording. And I think he was at a point where he was ready to share this story um, that affected not because we hear a lot of the residential school stories and we do not hear too much about the Sixties Scoop, and that gets lost. And there are a lot of other stories, but it's like, not to get all political, right? But that's something that's happened to Indigenous people, and um, there isn't—I don't think there's any Indigenous people I know who their Sixties Scoop and residential schools has not affected any of our families, and myself included, um, been very directly affected by that um, through my parents and grandparents. Um, but that's just something he was, you know, with knowing and knowing that that there was a there was a like I was honored that we had talked about this story prior a few years ago and the idea was actually different um because he was gonna he was always gonna make a trek back to his home but we didn't exactly know why but he reconnected with his uncle Bobby and uh yeah we would just go talk about what happened with him and he's gonna go well what happens in the story he he makes a trip back he um I don't say relives anything but he just shares a story and he shares that journey and I'd find out what what and what the lost mock what for him for Bradford it was always like the lost moccasin because he told me that story and I just thought okay well why don't we call it that and um, my producer even mentioned that at the time um, Darcy had said like what, let's call the lost moccasin because you know that was a story Bradford had told me I was like yeah sure like yeah let's call it that because I I did, honestly didn't have a title I think I just at the beginning I had Bradford Billy Doe story um, but um, there's that that symbol metaphorically. About he share he shares in the film that I don't want to ruin it for anyone, but he shares the story of a lost moccasin and what that means. And you know, I try to re, you know, obviously you've seen it, so yeah, no, uh, I
0: I don't want to ruin yeah. it for anybody either. I
1: yeah, I, I just I'm trying I'm trying to I want to say more, but it's like I want people to see it, like I really yes. do want people to see it.
0: I well, I, I'm gonna make sure it's on your on the episode page so it can be seen. like We can we can put a separate <laughs> link for it because there is you, there's yeah, you can see it however you want people to see it, but. Um, the things I didn't know, like I was, I was disgusted with finding out about how he says that just the one point. So we, we, a little mini spoiler, but he says that, and this is public knowledge, but he says that you couldn't call the cops because the cops were the ones who were rounded up to go get the kids. And, and it's just like, it's like, how, how do people think that grabbing anybody's children is the right way to do anything like what what how many people does how many yes people are in the room that not one person's got balls or character to be like no we don't do this no 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 no. we're doing this we're being the we're being very bad people like that was that was very eye-opening for me and and what what's what's that like getting someone's story like that on camera i mean i i would imagine that eventually two people who would know something like know that about each other would eventually have that conversation but having it on camera is a lot different so what was that like have, talking to him
1: um i my relationship with bradford prior to that we had talked we had coffee so we became friends um so when you become when we became friends it was it's a, it was a lot easier to kind of hear that and um I always knew this was about Bradford. This was about him and telling his story. And I always call it like Bradford's film. I don't really say, yeah, it's my, you know, I'm the director and everything like that. But I was trying to say like, like even now, the film is for Bradford and for the story, for his story, and, it, and it's for um, like we definitely want to use that as an educational tool. And I think that's one of his long term goals. Um, but just we had talked about his whole story prior to that, so I did a pre interview with him, and we just talked about things that happened. So I would write out the, I guess, ideas and how I would go about filming and telling his story. And I'd always check with him. I said, are you okay? Are you okay with telling this? Are you okay with saying this? And he was like, yeah, you know, I'm good. And because a lot of times in the pre-interview, like he did tear up and I just want to be sure that he's okay with sharing that. And he said, yeah. well, this is important, you know? So I'm like, yes. So we're going to tell that. So um, I hope that answers your question. No, it it, <laughs> it does.
0: It does. Like it's, it's it's an it's a it's a private story but it's also a national story it's a stain on our country like there's a lot of moving parts to that it's not just it's not just a simple it, it it's it, there's a lot of moving parts essentially it's the best way i can say it um so it was it was very like it was watching him tear up and and going through all the motions was was you you captured a lot of a lot of who he is and how he wanted to tell that story and it I mean, as dark as that story is, you told it in a very, it was, it was a very beautiful way to listen to it. If that makes mm. sense to you,
1: no, that does. And I think too, for the listeners out there, like uh, we're in the story, we talk about the sixties scoop, but and we talk about how uh, there's so much. I don't want to say misinformation, but amongst the non indigenous uh, peoples of 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 Canada, you know, I guess settled their, settled their there's a whole story i'm not trying to get political but i'm just trying to <laughs> describe it how yeah i know what a you're lot of people right? yeah. describe it like yeah. people who don't just they don't understand what really happened and some of them like i totally understand probably they don't care like you, do you know what i mean like i don't i don't i'm saying that i don't mean it to sound so harsh
0: no i know what you, um, i know what you're getting you're but, just like but, there's so much information that it's hard to get the right information and they just stop
1: well and there's there's also the educational system of it i remember one of my i don't know if you know kirby chevy he he showed he he posted this thing on uh, from a history book and it was like in the history in this history book that they're teaching in schools and i, I i'm probably wrong I, don't, I hope i i'm pretty sure it was from a history book sure but it was like in the history book it was like because there was more settlers coming in from europe and more immigrants coming in from europe the native people agreed to move more interior for, to to accommodate them, and we're all like, what? the like, thing that happened?" <laughs> no, like, no, no, no. That like, no. You mean by being shot by the government? And yeah, of course. Like, you know, having like, you know our kids stolen. Like, yeah, that happened. But you know, again, but that goes to the education. So yeah. People growing up and going like, "Oh, well, you know, native people agreed, and native people didn't." It's like there just so much miseducation about that. And I, I didn't want to bring this up because. For the listeners out there, I want you to go look up uh, an artist, an indigenous a native artist, uh, Kent Monkman, and I was just looking for the name of the, this thing, but he, he painted this picture that I guess is, can say a lot more than I can describe it, yep. um, whether it's for the sixty scoop or for residential schools, but um, he's, it's called The Scream, uh, and so it's a, it's a painting of um, RCMP and uh, priests and nuns stealing children from uh, native people, so... And it's an art. It's an art piece, and definitely, it's on there. If you look up the screen by Kent Monkman, you'll see a picture, and that can probably explain a way more than I can really. That probably captures a lot of the all that pain, a lot more than I can really explain it.
0: I will. I will search that, and we will. We will attach it to all of this as, as well too. Um, <clears throat> you. We were talking about this before we started recording, and I and I wanted to circle back to it. But um, for indigenous filmmaking in in indigenous stories specifically. Um, because this podcast is so new to me, I, I, there's, there's avenues and there was industries and there was genres of film that I just never bothered to get into because I liked what I liked and I was a naive idiot. And having to research this and then talking with new people, I was like, well, you're going to, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to start watching other films. So I'm, I'm sadly ignorant to a lot of things only because I now get a chance to talk about it with people and then that's how I'm learning about it so i don't know much like what what is there enough that's being done i'm i'm sure it's probably not but what what is being done in canada for indigenous filmmakers and places to find indigenous film stories um so people can see that part of film
1: right now there is a growing movement um and i hope i'm part of that movement <laughs> but there have been mainstream films i mean the the most recent one um I, I was just at uh, I got had a chance to attend TIFF online, so I had a chance to see him with some of the films. So Tracy Deer has a really great film coming out, and uh, Michelle Latimer has a documentary coming out. And she made the series Trickster, um, that was based on uh, Eden Robinson's film uh, of the same name, Trickster. Uh, so, there. Other than that, I mean, I say other than that, I mean, include on top yeah. of that, including yeah. that, it, or I mean, including is also Jeff Barnaby's. Um, blood quantum uh film just came out recently uh and if you're a horror film lover zombie lover definitely put that on your list um prior to that Elma tail made a film that won like a canadian the equivalent of a canadian oscar for uh best act best best film best act best writing best directing um i'm probably totally messing it i don't i don't have the actual stuff she won it's some, the best some canadian awards um top canadian awards uh body remembers when the world broke open is the name of the film and that's won uh numerous awards all across the world um and that's an indigenous film um there's a lot of other films that i'm probably some of my friends will be listening to be like hey you didn't mention my film <laughs> it's, like, it's like i'm trying it's just i'm trying but uh right now they're like uh that's the one thing where is a discussion i'm having amongst my friends how do we get our films out there and um so, like how do we other than the main film festivals i mean if you want to look up native films i'm going to give you a list of films right now I please film festival so um the winnipeg aboriginal film festival laugh.ca has uh is is our local film festival for indigenous filmmakers our, our film for indigenous films um gimli film festival i've been working with them um aaron and his team and we've been we've had a indigenous uh Program, so i've been able to program a lot of local filmmakers uh films indigenous filmmakers ind- indigenous directors to have their films um skins film festival um was one of the um is a film festival that plays hollywood um they screen at the tcl theater on Holly- hollywood boulevard in Los nice Angeles, nice is hollywood so they do, there's that one um the california american indian and indigenous film festival oh that's a long name <laughs> that's um, a the mouth film festival is new and it's been coming up um uh the american indian film festival where the uh lost moccasin just screened nice um, last week yeah so and the american indian film festival is like the longest running indigenous film festival uh so they've been running for about 45 years i believe 44 years something like that so i'm i hope i get those numbers right but the biggest uh, indigenous film festival right now is the imagine native film festival and that's in toronto so um definitely if you're looking for indigenous films i mean that's start start at those festivals start look start looking at them um because there's a there's you hear you will not not all the indigenous filmmakers get into tiff get into sundance get into these major top tier festivals um definitely we're all trying (laughs) i think um but i think there's there's really a renaissance coming up and there's this is a discussion i had with some people where i said you know about 10 years ago when i got into filmmaking, like like I actually seriously look, I say 10 years ago, when, when did I make my film? Oh, seven, oh, six, five, I don't know. But back in those days when I just <laughs> first started actually entertaining the idea of it. um, There was a, a renaissance I saw I was like, oh, cool. All these, there's all these indigenous filmmakers locally that are coming up and they're making films and then they kind of disappeared. And I, I don't mean that in a negative way. It just, what I understand now, there wasn't a lot of resources and there wasn't a lot of information. And this might lead me. It might lead me into the question you want to ask earlier. But it might lead me into um, what well, what I came up. I wanted to make sure locally that there was that. For me, I wanted to meet other filmmakers. So I did something called the Filmmaker Actor Potluck for a few years uh, with a local artist um, Ali uh, Ali Heron and um, she's a great actress. Um, and she's lo- like she was local. She helped me. We did the Filmmaker Actor Potluck for a few years, and then from there grew the idea of like, hey, I know all these indigenous filmmakers but they never they never come out they never say hello they never so like why don't I why did not I just try a group like that why don't I try indigenous film group and well at the time I just kind of gave it that simple name like indigenous <laughs> yeah, yeah. film meetup group or something Um, so I was lucky enough to meet someone another filmmaker working at the uh, uh, Winnipeg film group at the time named Ben Williams and Ben Williams had just started at the Winnipeg Film Group. Again, Winnipeg Film Group has been really good to me over the years. Um, it's a great institution for any filmmakers wanting to get started, I think, start there. Also, Video Pool, It's right next door to them. I've heard
0: about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, so he said, hey, I want to do a filmmaker actor potluck. Well, he didn't say not in those words, but pretty much that's <laughs> I, I, what he was saying. But I said, you know what, I'm taking a break from that because I want to concentrate on an Indigenous film meetup. He's like, okay, well, let's do that. And I was like, cool. So we had our first our first meet uh, which became the Winnipeg Indigenous Filmmakers Collective, back in September 2014. Um, it's been it's still going on. They just had an online meeting. I stepped down last year after five years of being like pretty much the main host, um, where we average roughly 30 attendees, Indigenous filmmakers, nice. people wanting to get into film, are um, just interested in the film. We average around 30 attendees every collective. We watch. Their films, we talk about, we read scripts, we talk filmmaking, we have a circle discussion. Um, and from that group, um, we, an org, we create an org, an organize, a nonprofit organization called the Indigenous Filmmakers Association. So the Indigenous Filmmakers, the IFA, well, just simple acronym, IFA is a nonprofit organization that we are just hoping to grow and create and help inspire our local Indigenous filmmakers. Um, from that grew. The first ever Indigenous Film Summit, which brought together um, back in twenty eighteen, brought together uh, numerous um, filmmakers, professional filmmakers, uh, industry uh, industry players, or I'll just say industry. Prof- yeah. No, you're get, professionals yeah, yeah. Uh, from all across Canada. Um, and we just recently had our third year, which we went online back in August, and we had it uh, four days in a row. We had about. I uh, I can't think of a number, but our views reached around 4,000, 5,000. Nice. Uh, two to four thousand views online for each for our panel discussions. And we brought in actors who are like working in uh Crystal Lightning was working in uh um Trickster. Uh we had actors from uh the the US, like we I've involved a lot of organizations. I think uh, coming together and networking with each other is really important, but um that all grew out of just the idea of coming together, um, helping each other, and especially for me and for our, the IFAs, growing the local indigenous population. Um, and I just want to go back to what I was saying before. Mm-hmm. I think when I heard about all these filmmakers coming up before me, and they they kind of disappeared and did their own thing, there wasn't all that those resources. There wasn't all that those resources. i was just gonna. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I've been talking just on, yeah. out of breath here. <laughs> All good, dude. All good. You're you're flying. You're great. Keep going. There was thanks. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of those resources in play for them. And I think that's the one difference is that uh, we're able to kind of keep keep in touch a lot more easier and a lot more uh I don't want to say simpler, but I guess for lack of a better term, like simpler and it's we have a lot of more we're accessible to each other to help each other, to help each other learn the industry because the industry is a whole other beast that (laughs) I can totally imagine. Like I, I make films, but I wouldn't consider myself in the professional film industry, but I am an independent filmmaker. Um, So there's that whole, there's that whole other beast that's happening. Um, So it's really, there's a really, I've been able to meet all these great filmmakers from all across Canada and the U S indigenous filmmakers who are making Film just films because they love making films and they're getting them out there. And yeah, I think next I'll be appearing probably not, not just on the podcast, but a, a, like a new filmmaker friend of mine asked me to be in his um, his film documentary uh, that he's making Tweet. that talks about indigenous filmmakers and in horror films. So he wants me to kind of be one of the talking heads on there. So why well, I say that, I don't know how he's going to film it, but I'm, I'm just saying that. But um, red cinema cinema red i think is the documentary online right now okay on youtube so um but with all that being said it's like i think the main goal is like for me i want to grow the indigenous film filmmakers here in winnipeg uh in in manitoba i want to inspire them i want to try and help them guide them on their career because to have resources and have access to people that i didn't have access to when i was coming up um and to help shape the industry to a to a, a good place where we can be safe telling our stories, but just be able to tell our stories. Yeah. Um, and when I say safe, I just mean maybe that's safe is the wrong word. I let me give me a moment before. Um, we're encouraged to tell yeah. our own stories. Yeah. Put it like that. <laughs> I know that's what, what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to say is like we're being encouraged to tell our stories, where we don't we don't just go out of people and we don't just say hey I have an idea. A production—not to say this—I'm sure this has happened—but I'm just hypothetically that a production company says, "Hey, cool, we like your idea, but we're going to get this person over here from Toronto to direct it." Yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, we don't want that. We want the filmmaker wants to direct. We were trying to get a system going like that, and that's difficult, and it's a long road. But I understand that long road. So with the summit, we hope to bring everyone together. Um, with the collective, we hope to inspire the young filmmakers, the rising filmmakers, and the new filmmakers and just with my own filmmaking um i have five films i want to make and uh coffee express is the first one and then uh, i want to make a horror film after that and then i want to turn rentless into the indigenous kung fu hustle
0: (laughs) i uh you that's very tarantino of you sir make your five or make your nine and then just be done right like (laughs) spread your career out over 40 years make your 10 films and then be like, yeah, I made I made this series of films, and and they're all they're all different, and they're all my stories, and they're all inspired by. And yeah, no, that's perfect. I love that. Have like a little catalog. Don't keep making. Don't be like Steven Spielberg and making like thirty nine billion movies. I mean, it's fun. Don't get me wrong. I like Ready Player One, but like you can slow down a bit, dude. No, i I think I think like I I I just go. These are stories. I don't I don't I I I like stories. I like being exposed to new different cultures. And different walks of life and different ideas and uh, having opened up my door last year to foreign films it's just I, I just don't understand how people don't have interest because indigenous people of color by LGBTQ like all, all of the different walks that don't get enough screen time mm-hmm. um, there's some really fucking cool stories there there's some really interesting heritage there there's some really cool culture there there's some really great lore there that It's like, okay, because it didn't come from the Big Ten Studios or it didn't come from either America or UK, it's not worthy of being on the screen right now is the perfect time for independent filmmakers. Like if you want people to come back to the theaters, I have this idea. You might be you might be on board with it because you're creative. But like instead of commercials while we're waiting for the movie to start, why don't we play local independent filmmakers movies? To satisfy our desire for constant entertainment, instead of like learning about Scotia Bank's next promotion, like watching watching Lost Moccasin for eleven minutes before a movie is is eye opening. It's educational. It teaches you a different perspective. It makes you uh, feel empathy and 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 learn about a fucking horrible stain on your country. Then you can go off and watch Avengers and have fun, right? But like showcase. Something like yours before that, so it's not just mindless entertainment it's it's more, but that's just my two cents from that. No, that's nosebleeds. a really
1: great idea, and I think if we had theaters incorporating that, then you there could be an issue I know what I've heard is uh theaters we have a hard time trying to get people to come out for a daytime or something like that, that could yeah, be, uh, that could be an idea. It really could be like Even I outside the box
0: but. i i get i honestly I get the idea. It, it, where it comes from is such an immature place. Like it's not like I'm this and I'm not being philosophical at all. I'm being very childish because it comes from who framed Roger Rabbit. It comes from the mm-hmm. baby Herman sketch before the actual movie and how, yeah. when you went <laughs> to go see the movie for the first time, you got the little baby Herman sketch and then you got the movie and they were all tied in together. Now I know you can't do that with this, but like, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a mandate from the CRTC to make sure that the content that's on the screen in this country, X amount percentage comes from Canada. It's made by Canadians about Canadian stories. And there's a, we, there's an indigenous population here that doesn't have a big enough market. And that just is, it, I'm dumbfounded by it, but I'm glad that you could show me and, and put some perspective and some stuff onto the show that we can let other people know that listen to this, that there are these, um, these festivals that celebrate it. Cause I, I'm, I'm walking around the dark. So thank you for that in regards to, to an education today.
1: No problem. You're welcome. Um, uh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I just hope I has not talk. I've just I realized I was talking so long. We've been, we've been just having this discussion this, for like over an hour. This is
0: the so Roger. This is the Roger show, dude. This is all about you. <laughs> it's not about me. People don't, I hope people don't download the show to listen to me because that that's a waste of your fucking time um so but uh
1: you are the host and you are the, the catalyst for all these discussions that are happening so i think people tune in to hear what you have to okay
0: share. i'm sure sh- I, I i'll stop pandering i agree um that said though before i let you go uh there's there's two things there's one thing i didn't tell you that we were going to do and if do you have time because oh. if you don't have
1: uh-oh. I hope it's uh, it's fun. Dinner. It's it's, it's or dinner lunch or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, <laughs> we'll make this quick. Um I'm just kidding. Yes, yes, of okay. course, yes. All right. So um did you ever watch Inside the Actors Studio? I have.
1: Um I just yeah, okay, a couple good. of them, not all the time.
0: Good. You don't know what I'm going at then. That's perfect. It's even more fun. So inside the actors studio. Uh, was that show where a guy used to interview actors and directors yep. and talked about the craft, but at the end he would ask <clears throat> Excuse me. He would ask 10 questions and he would ask okay. the same 10 questions to everybody and they're very fun questions
1: Do You have 10 questions or do you have 20? I have 10 Okay,
0: and they're very quick. We don't do um, We don't do long answers of this. We just do the first thing that pops into your head Groovy. And um, here we go. All right. So first question, what's your favorite word? Hello. Hello. That's a great word. That's like that. That, that starts everything. Okay. Sm- swell. Uh, what's your least favorite word? Goodbye. <laughs> Smartass. <laughs> um, creatively, what turns you on?
1: Imagination.
0: And creatively, what turns you off? Lack of. Okay. No, this makes <laughs> sense. Uh, what sound or noise do you love? Love ones. Okay. Um, what sound or noise do you hate?
1: Uh, too much silence.
0: <laughs> What's your favorite curse word?
1: Up yours. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what profession other than your own would you like to attempt?
1: Oh, man. Um, I just saw some someone else's. I'd um, be a truck driver. Nice. Long haul truck driver.
0: Yeah. No, see the country? I deal with mm-hmm. them every day at work, so they always, have, they always have a story or two or 12. They never want to get back in their <laughs> truck. They never want to get back. I don't blame them, but they never want to get back in their truck. Uh, what profession would you like to do what what profession would you like not to do sorry
1: um well i don't know if i should say this one not so much but um not that i didn't want to do it but i look back now and i'm happy because there's a whole store side of the story of how i got in the film that i didn't share but being a cop okay okay a police officer because i almost yeah whole story to that almost
0: i can only imagine sir okay lastly lastly If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: You were right. (laughs) (laughs) I just came up to, I don't know what. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. dude. That's totally perfect.
0: Okay. So before we go, this whole thing um, is around Manitobans making movies. Um, specifically. It doesn't matter. We don't care anymore. We're branching out into television in 2021, so we're going to allow for everything content-related to be on the show, because we've been a little snobby. We've been like, no, nah, just movies. We don't like the small screen. So, um, with that said, though, uh, it, there's, there's a thing about working in Manitoba. We ask everybody it's the whole signature thing to the series. So, what do you love about working in Manitoba in the film industry? What is it that's kept you here and not made you move and all that stuff. Like there's, there's, there's something and it, there's a, there's a, there's a line of thought amongst the seven of you that I've talked to. And I bet you're going to say it, but I'll, I'll shut up and let you answer.
1: Well, I'll say this. There's opportunity and freedom in filming in, in, in Manitoba and in Winnipeg. Um, opportunity of the uh, incredible tax credits that you, um, if you have the budget to take, take advantage of. Yeah. And the freedom that people still actually like, filmmakers being around and people making films, there's something still so magical about that. Yeah. So it, 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 from, from what I understand for most people, there's no hindrance of, Oh, this film's happening. Oh, it's more like, Oh, this this film happening. All right. Who's starring? Cool.
0: Well, I, is it? Be, yes. Okay. So first of all, you did nail it on the head. Freedom and opportunity is a big thing here because, and it's probably because it it is such, it's not, it's not an oversaturated market. It's not a huge market. So there's, I would imagine, you guys don't have a lot of constraints, like not being in the industry. I'm, I'm not going to offer a solid opinion on the matter, but, um, but second to that, though, um, yeah, you, the, the you're really set up here to succeed. This, this province does recognize its film talent, and mm-hmm. let's, I mean, you, you, you guys are still allowed to work during a pandemic in some senses, and that's, that's, I mean, there's a that not to get political. It's now my turn. Roger. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean there's there's a, there's a there's a dedication to the industry here and I hate that covid is a great example of it right now but the hard working people the creative types like yourself like there's the 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 gene pool is deep.
1: You know that you say that and I I agree, I agree because it's unfortunate that to to get political and look, I'm not a political person and I do not have any kind of disdain or hate for our government, but I've noticed that a lack of leadership that needs to be addressed. And it's unfortunate because I want people to be safe and I want people to go back to work. And I want, um, I, you know, I'm looking forward to the day that, uh, we can have a barbecue. Yeah. 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 No, Uh, I would just like to see that. And if they, if anyone's listening for the government, like I really, that's people just want to be safe and they want to know that things are going to be okay. And uh, it's unfortunate that um, I've yet to see and maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I haven't listened enough or but it's just I'd like to see a bit better um, common leadership from our people our elected officials, because the people really need that. And I will tell you this to the people listening, you're going to be okay. and uh, Things will be over. All right. And as a human, as human beings, we've gotten through worse and just know that there will be light of the, at the end of the tunnel. But the night is always darkest before dawn, as they say.
0: <laughs> There's the filmmaker and you're right there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right, dude. You're right. Yeah. Like it. it's these are crazy times and uh, it's hard to make. Yeah, I couldn't agree with your sentiment more there's there's a lot of crazy shit going on and uh, listen more government just listen listen closely that's as political as we get on the real debaters uh, yes. we, we, we did argue once who would make the best prime minister and I can't remember who I picked we've done so many of these but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, we, we only picked movie characters for that debate uh,
1: it was a, it was a Deadpool, doozy hey? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding I just first think it comes to my mind I do want to say this Could I do amends on my, when, when I get to the pearly gates and gods. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah. Change it around. I, I,
1: what I'd like him to say is, uh, thank you for doing as best as you can for everyone around you.
0: Oh yeah. There you go.
1: That's and the first thing that came to my mind. I was like, Oh, what, <laughs> right. why did I say that? That's <laughs> hilarious. Can I add this really quick too? Yeah, too. Um, totally. Is that I personally I would love to see Winnipeg and as an Indigenous filmmaker I'm a film lover. Don't get me wrong, I support all our filmmakers locally, um, but I would love to see and I'm working on this to make Winnipeg and Manitoba the place for Indigenous filmmaking and filmmakers. So I'd like to grow that part of our industry locally, um, and that's my long-term goal.
0: That's awesome. So, I please send me all the things that we talked about, all the things that you dropped. I want to temporary staple them to or permanently staple them to your bio on this portion of the show so that if people want when people want to go find it it's there it's easy it's accessible right and then we'll, we won't make people jump through hoops and stuff like that but
1: uh for sure but the, i guess the only thing i would say is, if people want to see lost moccasin they should contact me okay it's, it's not out there yet
0: yeah oh no definitely yeah no we'll let yeah we'll put that uh we'll put that little little snippet in there as well too and i'll get your email address for everybody if they want to watch it sure um dude thank you so much for giving me your time and educating me on some stuff and talking about some stuff this was i'm i'm super happy you, you put some time aside for us
1: no no problem i really appreciate you asking asking me to be part of your uh the podcast and i really appreciate all the hard work you've been putting in and i appreciate your time and i think you're doing a good job and you know i'd I like to see your your podcast grow
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. That's so nice. Um, for everybody who's who's new to our show, uh, therealdebaters.ca. Just go there. That's where this episode's going to be in uh, in a few. That's where all of the things that we do on the show. That's where you're going to be able to find a lot of things that Roger talked to us about today. We'll put a little segment of film festivals for Manitobans and and, and all that. I've, I've been playing with some ideas, so this is this is a great way to start with it. Uh, if you want to email the show, it's therealdebaters at gmail.com all of our spelling is r-e-e-l real debaters.ca the real debaters at gmail.com the real debaters the real debaters the real debaters do you, do you ever do that when you say a word so much roger that it just loses its meaning after a while
1: uh, every day <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right dude well you take care uh stay safe we'll be in touch and uh i'd love to have you on and do a debate with us i think you'd i think you would be fun
1: sure that'd be great awesome <laughs> let, let me know when yeah I know oh. where but let me know when <laughs> yeah we'll make it easy you can do
0: it I, I haven't been wearing pants the entire time I'm, I'm kidding I have but alright anyways ladies and gentlemen uh, thank you for tuning in to another Real Debaters production my guest has been Roger uh, Boyer did I say I, I never say I never that's say, correct yes finally correct. Roger Boyer I've been Michael Petro and we are gone.
1: Oh, dude, you did.